0: Or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode.
1: Listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need. Right now.
0: in oh, brought oh! 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 oh,
1: wow! The boy's out. You're not kidding. Bang with the V-tryner Up with
0: the tree. victory this minute The Elite are clawing and fighting their way back to where oh, they feel match. they need to be. Really? Elite! We heard at the top of the show the Elite basically
1: saying in that awesome video package that tonight is a defining moment. Well, they kicked
0: off, and there's Cody now, with the rest of members of the Elite. They kicked off 2020 in a perfect way. Brand new episode of the Elita Cinema Geekly's AEW podcast. It's Anthony Lewis and Nick Montez, and we're back to talk AEW Dynamite in the year twenty twenty. Ooh, the, the future, the distant future. There are now two twenties <laughs> next to one another, uh, and AEW is presenting their thirteenth episode of Dynamite. It's taking place at Daly's Place, uh, the location of Fight for the Fallen. And uh, before we start talking about the episode, I just want to quickly note that there was a. Uh, um, well, there wasn't an episode of Dynamite the day before Christmas. The day before that, they did have an episode of Dark uh, in which there was a four way tag team match that was actually pretty fun. It was a uh, best friends, uh, private party, Santana and Ortiz, and uh, I'm missing somebody. I want to say Lucha Brothers, maybe? uh but a really good uh four way match that i would recommend probably try you know i don't know if it's like stop what you're doing and go watch it but uh it was pretty fun and there was also a match where Joey Janela wrestled in a Santa Claus outfit uh i did see that that's cool for the whole <laughs> match against Sean Spears um but yeah so let's talk about the first dynamite of 2020 and we begin with a video package which is essentially the elite, Nick, questioning whether or not they are still the elite. Uh, I think that's sort of the story going in here. They d- they did not have the kind of year they were hoping for. Uh, they got their wins here and there, but none of them won championships. And they are constantly being beaten down by group after group. Uh, we are alerted that Taz is on the broadcast team, as Tony Schiavone, I presume, is still recovering from his New Year's celebration. Uh, that's the only reason I can imagine he's not there. He's like, guys, I'm going to be too hungover on the first to come to Florida, so you're just going to have to replace me. And they did with Taz, who I thought did a pretty good job. I liked him. It was a little weird. It felt like I was watching SmackDown. Like, I just associate <laughs> Taz with SmackDown. And yeah, Except
1: for he didn't say Cole at all, so that's no, how he, you know.
0: he did not say Cole. So, yes. Other than that, uh, he did say Yam Bags once. And I'm like, ah, that's Taz. Uh, They run down the card for the evening, and the opener is Darby, Allen, and Cody. Uh, Arn Anderson, it was announced recently, has been brought on to be the coach of the Nightmare family, and he has accompanied Cody to the ring. Uh, And this is, of course, stemming from uh, Fighter Fest, where they had a draw in a singles match, and Darby, Allen helping Cody beat the butcher and the blade on the last episode on the 18th of December. Uh, they won that match and Darby gets his uh, singles match here with Cody. Uh, it's also noted that the records for each wrestler is reset for the new year. Uh, they will obviously keep their tally. oftentimes tonight they showed uh, aew career records for everybody who came out but starting uh, on this day everybody starts fresh like a essentially like a brand new season. So everybody starts at zero and zero and they get to build their way up from there. Um, seemed really split early on. Uh, like literally right down the middle, people were into Darby and they're into Cody as well. And the match starts a very similar start to their, uh, like what they did at fighter fest where there is a, a great series of hold counter hold and early pin attempts. Uh, and there's a second standoff and just like before Cody loses his cool, uh, Nails Darby and then hurls him to the floor. Uh, Darby sweeps him on the apron, and uh, after Cody's landing, he's selling his arm, so Darby starts to work on that. He re- then removes a turnbuckle pad, which the crowd seemed upset about, Nick. I, I don't think they wanted their, their baby face here to, to be cheating, but uh, Darby doesn't strike me as a like an all-good baby face. Like, I, he's... Uh, He's got like those, uh, like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, <laughs> character specifics to him, where he's like a chaotic good. You know what I mean? So he, he's Surprising.
1: good. I was like shocked that they, um, that they turned on him for that so much. Like, yeah, they were not happy. They, dude, they were so mad. I wrote that in my notes. I was like, that that's
0: impressive that he got them like that riled up, just taking off the corner pad. Yes. Um, So he removes this buckle. Darby, I wrote here, just tried some fancy footwork, but eats a snap power slam. Uh, Cody hits the Cody cutter, and then hits Darby with a reverse superplex for a two, and then we get a picture-in-picture break uh, in which Cody is in control until Darby hits an awesome avalanche code red for a two. He hits this right before they come back from break, so there was no audio for this. But they did show a replay with audio, so that's good. Uh, Darby hits the over-the-top stunner, goes for the coffin drop, but Cody rolls to the apron, so Darby just gives him a coffin drop on the apron, and it hits. Uh, he goes for the Cody cutter again, but it is uh, sidestepped. Uh, he goes for the over-the-top stunner, but this time Cody catches him and hits him with the crossroads, but only gets a two. Uh, Cody then goes charging at Darby, but he moves out of the way, and he goes right into the empty buckle. And he goes for the Coffin Drop again, but then head coach Arn Anderson gets up on the apron and points to his knee. Pick up your knees, Cody, he says. And as Darby goes flying backwards for the Coffin Drop, Cody listens to the game plan, raises his knees, and Darby lands right on Cody's knees, and he schoolboys Darby and gets the win. What did you think of the opener, Nick?
1: Awesome way to start off the year. I was... Mm -hmm. Getting a little bit worried that we were getting towards another uh, time limit draw here, which yeah. isn't the worst thing in the world to do. But it's like if you're going to do the exact same time limit, like it's kind of predictable. Mm-hmm. But no, they um, they gave Bar- uh, Darby a lot of offense in this match. the The coffin drop onto the apron was sweet, as long as well as that code red. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Darby just. And he wrestles like a man that's, like, ready to die. He doesn't care. He'll put everything <laughs> into
0: his match. It's, he really strikes me as, like, Sabu-esque. Like, I just, very don't, much. I just don't know what he's going to do. And when he does it, it always feels like it's wild and out of control.
1: And he kind of had a unique entrance again. I noticed this, is like, the second time he did that where he got a little video beforehand. He came out with the uh, Cody mask on, I think. Yeah, like it a silent like f- mask.
0: Yeah, it's like a silent film
1: kind of like that being his thing. I think it's uh, really cool. Um, Great match, three and three-quarter stars. Great way to start off the new year.
0: I'm pretty close with you here. I gave it three and a half, so we're in the ballpark here. Uh, I don't know how I feel about Arn Anderson being with Cody. Um, Like, you know, I mean, you know what managers are supposed to be for. They're supposed to talk for the people who can't talk. Now, Arn Anderson can cut a promo, but, you know, so can Cody. So (laughs) he's not here to talk for Cody. And usually if you're not there to just talk for the guy, like, you know, the Bobby Heenan role, like he'd take a bump um, when, you know, he'd take a bump when the manager or the manager would take a bump when the, the heel, you didn't want him to take the bump. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I kind of think that
1: from the perspective of Cody had, a great year, and then it all went bad at the end. Maybe he's using this as a means to improve himself. He's got to change something up because he kind of started hitting, uh, ever since the title match, I'd say, he kind of started hitting his downfall a little bit. So maybe he thinks this is how he's going to redeem himself. But from the traditional manager aspect, yeah, Cody doesn't need anybody. You know, he's he's kind of the full package.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they're doing it. Um, maybe there'll be a payoff to it. You know, we'll see.
1: Uh, at least it's not totally random. I mean Arn
0: was in his corner before, so. Um Yeah. Uh I just it took me a minute here to open Grapple. Grapple, by the way, three point seven five on the dot. Three and three quarters. Eee. Uh let me see here. What do we got next? Uh after that, uh Jen Decker's backstage with SCU. Scorpio Sky says uh Neither the Dark Order nor Santana and Ortiz are going to stop them in 2020. Calls the Dark Order spooky perverts. Uh, Sammy Guevara pops in and says, nope. Uh, Santana and Ortiz will stop you. Calls Christopher Daniels old. Christopher Daniels challenges him to a match next week. This is alright, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) OMD! I like there is a, a, a much quieter... Because, uh, like, when Sammy Guevara comes in and he's like, oh, "They are gonna," I think they are gonna beat you. And Frankie Kazarian gave a very, much more restrained "Do ya." Uh, have you seen the Do ya skit? Oh, I have. <laughs> have, you, have you heard? So, have you watched the 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 wrestlers getting room service thing where he tells the story about where that came, where that came from? Yeah, with Bob Holly, right? Oh, my God. Like, I like your theme music. Do ya? <laughs> That's such an awesome story. Uh, <laughs> and that he's just constantly doing this now is, is really funny. Um, uh, let me see here. Uh, up next, Fatal 4-Way for the Women's Championship. Uh, it's Riho defending against Britt Baker. Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida. Now, this was supposed to be the Chris Statlander match. uh, For reasons inexplicable to anyone at this point, she did have bookings that AEW, for one reason or another, I guess did not know about for New Year's Day. And uh, once they did find out about them, they let her honor them and are going to give her her championship match next week. So that was cool. Uh, But they did promise a championship match for this week. So they did a four-way match with the numbers 2, 3, and 4 contenders uh, challenging Riho. So I think that was a good make good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nyla Rose attacks everybody before the introductions, and then chaos ensues. There's fighting everywhere. Riho hits a crossbody uh, to Britt Baker on the outside that goes into a picture and picture break. And during the break, Nyla is basically wrecking shop on everybody. Uh, coming back from the break, Sheeta gives Nyla a backdrop, which the crowd was very impressed with. Uh, but Nyla comes back, slings her up on the ropes, hits a flying guillotine knee, and then gives her a senton off the apron, through a table to the outside. Uh, Riho then double stomps Nyla, and then Britt grabs Nyla and gives her a hanging DDT off of the ropes and gets a two count. She tries for the lockjaw, but Nyla powerbombs her way out of that. Uh, Sheeta then comes in. She's suplexing everybody. Nyla misses a swan. Nyla tries to swant on both Sheeta and Riho at the same time, but they both move out of the way. Uh, Sheeta hits a falcon arrow on Nyla Rose. Very impressive for a two count. Um, Britt tries to get lockjaw on Sheeta. She rolls that into a pin, but only gets a two. And then Riho comes flying in with a jackknife pin on Britt Baker to get the win. Before we talk about the post match, Nick, what did you think of uh, the four way?
1: One of the better women's matches we've seen. I thought it had a lot of great action. At first, I thought they did a fast count at the end. I didn't, until they showed the replay, I didn't see that he originally got uh, the one count when it looked like, uh, to me, like Britt Baker didn't have her shoulders down, but she did. Um, So that threw me off originally. But beyond that, good action. I gave it three and a quarter
0: star for this one. Okay. Uh yeah, we're pretty we're pretty close on this one again. I thought this was good. Uh it definitely had its good moments, but it also had some of that AEW women's division sloppiness. It's like they're in a weird place right now where it's like, oh this is good, but it's not that good. Uh Yeah, I went with uh I went with a 3. I'm not surprised. Uh, by the finish here. Some people were. They're like, I don't know. I'm not digging Riho. I thought this was when they were going to take the title off of her. And I clearly think they're... Well, maybe. We'll see. I I felt like they were spelling things out here for what we're going to get next. Post-match, Nyla attacks Riho and gives her an avalanche splash off the middle rope through a table at which point the announcers note that she still has to defend her championship next week against Chris Statlander, which I thought for sure is an indication that Chris is going to beat her. Like, she's going to be too injured from what happened with Nyla Rose here. But they do a segment a little bit later on with Riho where she doesn't seem to be dead at all. So, Mm. we will see. Uh, They throw to Alex Marvez backstage, who is with Joey Janela, and he asks him what 2020 has in store for Joey Janela. But before Joey can get a word in, he gets hit in the nuts by Penelope Ford, Nick. I wrote here, I guess Joey is delivering pizza now. Yep, exactly. Uh, Well, I. He, He did very clearly come out and say, like, what he said. He's like you know, do you want to do this storyline? And he's like, I'd rather go back to delivering pizzas. And it looked like they weren't going to do it. And now they're doing it. And you know, geez, that you don't want to read the Twitter banter between Penelope Ford and Joey Janela on this. Cause they're just oh, yeah. talking, they're just talking about dicks.
1: And they are. It's not even fun like when it was Trent and uh, yes. and Hangman Page. It's, it's no, I'm, maybe he's bummed about it. Maybe it's one of those things where he's like, I don't want to do it, but they want me to do it and I want to be a
0: team player. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, time for some theories, Nick. We get a okay. Dark Order video in which it is made clear that Evil Uno answers to a higher power. The Exalted One. And there's some theorizing going around here about who the Exalted One is. So, it's clear that the Exalted One, who's clearly the head of the table of the Dark Order, ordered this hit on the Elite. Because he's like, we did as you asked, Exalted One. You know? I think that there's really only a couple people who the Exalted One could be. Yep. Now, there's... I think there's really only three people who who this could be. And okay, I, think, I... I think only one of them is awesome. One of them could be fun. And the other one would make sense, but wouldn't be like, you know, this will turn it around for Dark Order. Uh, which one would you like to hear first? The fun one, the the idea that I think makes the most sense, or the one that would make sense, but wouldn't light the world on fire?
1: I want to hear the last one because I have three also, so I'm curious to see. Okay. Well
0: what the you one said. the one that the one that would make some sense but wouldn't light the world on fire would be Brandon Cutler. Uh mm-hmm. because obviously he is tied into the elite very much. He's supposed to be best friends with them, but he is a loser in AEW. He is also constantly referred to as like a charity hire. Like there's reasons that he could resent the elite for sure. And if you really want to get wacky, he's clearly into D and D stuff. Like it's all over his gear, all over his Titan Tron and his music and everything. And this dark order thing totally feels like, you know, Brandon Cutler rolled an eight and he forms the dark order. Uh, <laughs> like totally could happen. Yes. Now uh, the other one, this just came from like talk about a contract running up. And it came from the fact that this person, when when Evil Uno was done talking to him, he said one word. Do you remember what the word is, Nick, that he used? Oh. He said, wonderful. And that had people thinking it's Matt Hardy, like Broken Matt Hardy, which, by the way, he would own the copyrights to. He owns Broken Matt, like so much so that they just did Woken Matt in WWE. So he could... Do broken Matt Hardy as the head of the Dark Order, uh, and they could do something fun with that. Uh, and of course, he's a big name, but you know he's a WWE guy, and he can't really go that well in the ring anymore. Um, I want to hear I want to hear your couple of guys because I think there's one that's pretty obvious of what what people are thinking, but I want to hear who you thought.
1: So the one that I thought, besides the obvious one, was um, Brody Lee. Oh, yeah, um, that although,
0: could be Brody.
1: Yeah, I I don't think it would happen this soon, because I'm pretty sure he still has
0: a while to go before he can wrestle, but you could build it up over weeks. It's possible. Yeah. And whoever um, recorded this doesn't have to be the guy who actually recorded it, because it was a voice modulation and everything. It could mm. be... Literally, they left this open so it could be anybody, hypothetically.
1: It could be a Ric Flair situation again, like with the Black Scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> Um wouldn't
0: that be shit crazy if it was Ric Flair? <laughs> Woo! It is Ric Flair. The exalted one. Leader of the Dark Order. The nature boy Ric Flair. That would <laughs> be bonkers. Like, son of a bitch again. <laughs> Maybe it'll be Vince. Holy shit. <laughs> it was me, Omega. Um, it was me all along. And James Ross is there. He could do ah, oh, son of a bitch.
1: When you said that for a second, I thought you almost meant Vince Russo, because you were kind of throwing a little bit of an accent into it. Um, The other one that I've heard thrown around online, which seems unlikely to me, um, is just because I believe he's a free agent at the moment, but Killer Cross was thrown out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I don't think that would make much of an impact, but there is the obvious choice that you've still not revealed.
0: Yeah, Um, I think the obvious one here is that it's Marty Skrull. Uh, I think that's the obvious one. Uh I think a lot of people would expect him to come in as a baby face, obviously. And, you know, they're silly if they don't think he's going to come in as a baby face. But, you know, his best friends, like, left him. They went and formed their own company. They left him behind for, like, a year mm-hmm. uh, or a year or more. And he could be very bitter about this. And this is... Dark Order is not that far removed from like villain enterprises uh mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean it would make perfect sense if it was Marty and that's how they uh introduced him. So that's possible. You know, either that or it's Jim Cornette. It's uh I maybe they'll hire Cornette and bring him in.
1: Uh he's too busy suing uh garbage wrestlers, you know.
0: He's <laughs> too busy suing G-Raver over his Clownette shirt, and his his fuck Jim Cornette shirt. Um. Anyway, that we spent too much time on that. Let's let's go back to the ring. Trent and John Moxley uh, in a singles match. Orange Cassidy gets a huge reaction. Like Trent camp. Trent came out. They were polite. They're like woo. Chuck Taylor came out. They're like woo. And then Orange Cassidy comes out. And they're like wah. Uh, <laughs> It's unbelievable that Orange Cassidy is getting these reactions. But then, so did John Moxley. He got a huge reaction as well. Um, they start out wrestling traditional style, but it soon makes way to hard hitting. Uh, and then Mox hangs up Trent on the ropes, uh, which lands him hard on the ramp, heading into a picture-in-picture break, which uh, Moxley controls Trent throughout that break. Uh, coming back from the break... Uh, Trent hits a spear on the floor to start his comeback. Hard tornado DDT in the ring for a two, but Moxley comes right back with the regal knee and a face buster for a two count. The, both men's trade lariats, at which point Orange Cassidy gets into the ring to run interference. He puts his hands in his pockets. John Moxley very angrily puts his hands in his pockets. And at this point, Orange Cassidy... <laughs> I can't tell if this was Orange Cassidy being like... Uh, I've run my interference and now I will leave. Or if it was Moxley putting his hands in his pockets and he's like, I, I concede this battle to you, sir. And he turns away. <laughs> like I couldn't tell which it was, uh, but Moxley <laughs> turned around and ate a sexy Chucky knee. Uh, and Trent gives him a pile driver for a big two. Um, the match continues as they spill it onto the ramp. And, Moxley hits a paradigm shift on the ramp, tosses him back into the ring, gives him an elevated paradigm shift in the ring for the win. I thought this was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. It was that elevated paradigm shift was brutal. He just freaking lawn darted him on his head. It was crazy.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh
1: man. Yeah. It was, it was great shit. I loved it. Um, all the interaction with orange Cassidy and the best friends. It was, yeah, it was fun stuff. It, you know, Jr. really kept screwing up in this match because I think he referred to Trent more than one time. He called him Beretta on accident.
0: Oh yeah, and well, he's like, he's not Beretta anymore. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it surprises me that he he does that, but he, he remembers not say Ambrose.
0: Um, yes. Well, weirdly enough, which, in New well, Japan, his name is Beretta. Yep, and not Trent. It's <laughs> weird.
1: I guess you can go with one, but not the other,
0: yes, um, not at the same time, uh
1: no, no, not at the same time, <laughs> otherwise, you're gonna get sued, yep. um but I gave this one three stars, I thought it was a solid match, I liked it a lot, um, yeah, that especially that ending, I thought that was sweet. I was like,
0: mm-hmm. his poor head, uh, I like this more than grapple, and you, I gave it three and a half, I thought mm-hmm. this was real good. Uh, just like the first match, and uh, Grapple went 3.3. So a little bit under me. A little bit over you, but a little bit under me. Uh, After this win, Sammy Guevara is strolling through the crowd on the microphone, says he sees why Jon Moxley does this. This is awesome. He takes (laughs) drinks from fans, takes their popcorn. He's like, oh, there's so many perks to coming to the ring like this. I, I totally get why you do it. It makes sense. Uh he says that he. he really does.
1: upset a fan too. I think I saw a fan get mad when he grabbed
0: for his stuff. He's like, "What the hell?" Yes. Uh, he says that they, the inner circle, do in fact have a big surprise for him, as promised, and he throws to uh, Chris Jericho, who is on the big screen, and says that yes, there are other factions in AEW that are making a play for John Moxley. It's not just him. He's saying that there's the Dark Order. I'm sure they want you, and the the Nightmare Collective. They want you too, but the Inner Circle have more to offer you than a mask or a lock of hair. Uh, he says that <laughs> he wants John Moxley to run the Inner Circle with him, to be co-heads of uh, the Inner Circle. He says that he will give John Moxley a 49% share of Inner Circle LLC and make him an executive vice president, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. Uh, he also says that he will get a Ford GT with a John Moxley vanity plate. Uh, Chris Jericho then goes on to say that this is the most expensive car in America, and it is millions of dollars, I think he said. It is a very expensive car, Nick. I don't know if you've looked it up. I went and looked it up. It's $500,000. So he <laughs> exaggerated it slightly. It is not worth millions of dollars. Yeah. But uh, as I heard elsewhere, someone joked that uh, maybe the vanity plate made up for the rest of that that figure. It was a $500,000 vanity plate that said Mox, which I don't think is street legal. I don't think you can have a plate that only has three uh, letters on it, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can. Um, and uh, Moxley uh, says that he can. he does, in fact, there was a time where he did, in fact, consider Chris Jericho a friend and a mentor. And because of that, out of respect, he will give him an answer face to face next week which the crowd was not happy with they wanted his answer tonight but that long-term storytelling Nick they're going to they're going to keep going uh they're going to stretch it out one more week which i'm fine with um, okay with it, but
1: they built it up like, "Oh, you're going to hear from Mox this week. And then he's just like, yeah, I need another week. And I yeah. can see how that would disappoint someone, but yeah, it's not that
0: big. I mean, you yeah. know, he's offering them quite a bit, 49% share in the limited liability corporation of the inner circle. You know, that's a, you know, a Ford GT, an EVP status. They don't hand those out to just anybody, Nick. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think they said that Jericho had like the biggest sales from pro wrestling tees this year. So if that includes inner circle merchandise, sure, that's yeah. a big, it's a big bit
0: of money, big cut of money there. Uh, Sammy Guevara stayed in the ring through a picture and picture break, uh, where he hit on somebody. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I did. Did you? I don't know who it was he was referring to. I uh, didn't
1: either. I was like, well, he's shooting his shot, but I don't know who he's talking about. He had his
0: Instagram uh plugged his Instagram and stuff. Uh this was a setup for Sammy Guevara and Dustin Rhodes. Dustin attacks him from behind. Uh, I, I just wrote here ass punch. I'm guessing that's what happened here, but I'm not sure. Uh, Dustin does a cannonball off the apron. All Dustin early until Jake Hager comes out on the ramp. Uh, he power slams Sammy on the floor and then Hager distracts, and Sammy hits a baseball slide to take control, going into a picture-in-picture break, and Sammy takes control that whole picture-in-picture break. Uh, back from the break, Dustin makes a comeback, but gets cut off by Sammy, who hits a running shooting star for a two-count. Uh, they then fight off onto the apron, where Gold Dust hits Sammy Guevara with an apron Canadian destroyer, and Sammy Guevara's neck did not land in the, the nicest of positions. This was gross, but also awesome, because, like, what is this? Um, He goes for the pin, but Hager breaks it up by getting up onto the apron, and Dustin knocks him down uh, and then tosses Sammy onto him and uh, gets uh, Guevara back into the ring, and he's going to go for the unnatural kick, the shattered dreams, but referee Bryce Remsburg is pleading with Dustin not to kick this man on the balls, and uh as a result Sammy grabs a hold of Bryce and uh Jake Hager runs in knees Dustin in the balls and Sammy Gravara pins him to get the win i also enjoyed this match what did you think of it nick
1: oh just just from dustin alone the thing that he, the things that he does mm-hmm. at his age are so impressive i think they've said he's wrestled now officially in five different decades something like yes, that yes something like that yeah a man can go. It's impressive. Um, yeah, it was it was a good match. I didn't give it a super high rating just because I wasn't a big fan of the dick kick at the end. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think I gave this one two and three quarter stars, but still a really solid match. Mm-hmm. Um I think this is Sammy G's first win, singles win in AEW two, which yeah, is pretty and, big for him.
0: And because it's the new year, he is one and oh on the year so far. Oh, yeah. So he started off 2020 way better than he started 2019. Cool. Uh I really like this match too. I like the I think they did good story stuff here. I think they did good babyface heel dynamics. Uh I don't I'm not a huge fan of the ending, but AEW doesn't really do endings like this. Like they they'll maybe do one every other show, but mm-hmm. they're not doing these like every match on every show. Like I'm okay with this. I think this was good. Uh, I think this was like a good heel heat finish. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I mean, Dustin Rhodes did a Canadian Destroyer on an apron in 2020. I honestly can't say I ever thought, as a kid watching WCW Saturday night, watching (laughs) Dustin Rhodes and Rick Rude, that I would someday see this man do a flipping pile driver on an apron. (laughs) So, uh, maybe for that alone... Nick, I gave this match three and a quarter. I really enjoyed it. But Grapple liked it a little bit less than I did. 2.93. A little bit closer to you on that one, I think. But I don't know. I I was really enjoying that match. Uh, After this, we go back to Jen Decker, who's with Private Party. They're at a private bar. Uh, Hangman Page just waltzes on in to grab some drink. And the party stomp him and say that they are worried about him. At which point, Paige says that he will whip both of their asses. And they're like, are you drunk? And he just walks off. (laughs) Uh, MJ, what do you think about this drunk hangman thing? I think he's got to be turning heel, right? Because this is not not a great look for him as a baby face. Oh, definitely. He's got to be turning at some point.
1: I I think it's either he's turning heel or this is his fall from grace to which he will eventually rise again. I honestly thought that this was just a BTE storyline, and I'm surprised it got pulled over to the main show.
0: Yeah. Um, me too. Uh, that's the thing that surprised me a little bit. Um, MJF promo time. He comes out. He basically jaw jacking with the crowd. During the picture-in-picture picture break, he kisses some girl at ringside. Uh, You know, it's just MJF. And he gets in the ring. I don't know what he said during the break, because when they come back, like, this crowd is furious at him. I don't know what he said, but they are really mad. And uh, (laughs) he jawjacks with them a little bit and mocks them. But the main point of this promo is that he's here to tell Cody what it will take to get his match with MJF. And he lists the following stipulations. This match will occur at the Revolution pay-per-view. He says prior to this pay-per-view event, no one, he says Cody cannot touch him before this match. No matter what he does, and he's like, and I'm going to do stuff. But you can't do anything to me. If you do, not only do you not get the match at the pay-per-view, but you don't get a match ever. And says before this match even takes place, he also has to beat a person of his choosing. And the person of his choosing is Wardlow, who has not had a match yet. And uh, he also says that uh, this is not strong enough a test. He must face Wardlow in a solid steel cage. So he's stacking the deck against Cody here. And then to top it all off. He says that Cody must also come out on TNT in front of his friends and his family and God and everybody. And he must get on all fours and allow MJF to whip him with his belt ten glorious times. And this is the only way that he will have this match with Cody. Uh, I thought this was excellent. And what a dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, What did you think of the promo? I just just thought this was great.
1: Oh, it was fantastic. MJF being the heel we all know and love. Mm -hmm. Um, He would stack the deck like this, too. He's like, it's got to be in a cage, and I got to smack you with my belt ten times. Um, And you know Cody's going to do it because he's a stupid baby face. Um. (laughs) Anything for revenge. That's right. It doesn't matter. At, at a certain point, I wonder if Cody's going to look around and just be like, what am I doing?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really not worth it.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> I
0: have to wrestle this uh, giant yeah. guy in a cage. I have to get whipped ten times in public. And this guy's probably going to say all sorts of awful stuff, and I can't touch him. But in the end, he'll get that sweet, sweet revenge. And it'll be worth That's it. All people. That's all people are going to remember, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I think this was awesome. This was, like, good. Like, nobody nobody cuts promos like this in, in, like, anywhere, really. But, you know, not in WWE especially. Like, heels don't act this heelish. Like, this is a very dick heel thing to do. Like, you know, I don't even know what heels in WWE do. But they certainly don't do stuff like this. Like, this is just, like, above and beyond overkill stacking the deck. Like, you need to beat this monster. You need to beat him in a cage. I need to be able to say whatever I want to you, and you can't touch me until the till the match. And also, I want to be able to publicly humiliate you. And these are all things you must do before I will allow you to wrestle me in a match. It's such overkill, and I think it's great. Uh, MJF is awesome. Uh, we get a recap of the Jungle Boy Chris Jericho match, and then we go to Jen Decker, who is with the Jurassic Express. Uh, Jungle Boy says that 2020 will be a big year for them. Uh, Marco Stunt then tries to awkwardly hug Jen Decker, which I was then informed was based off of the story, again, that Marco Stunt told in their uh, Getting Room Service with Wrestlers series about how he tried to hug Cody at an airport once, and it was very awkward, and they recreated it here, and it flew over my head. And I had heard the story. It wasn't until somebody pointed it out, I'm like, okay, that's maybe a little too obscure. Because he came off like a really weird creep. Uh, (laughs) And then they started blasting music while Luchasaurus was trying to say something. Uh, I think he said, life finds a way, which... (laughs) Would have been much funnier if I was able to hear it and they weren't blasting music over it. They gave him the hook, Nick. Like they're at the Oscars and their speech was going on too long. They started playing him off the stage. Um, drunk hangman Page comes out to the booth. His uh, Chiron at the bottom of the screen read, "Has been drinking all day" or something along the lines of like something along the line. It's like has been drinking, uh, yep. something like that. That was uh, exactly. I wrote that down. Has been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> that's his that's what's been going on with him lately. Uh, they promote next week. Uh, and then they count back to Riho's with Na- Michael Nakazawa, who is interrupted by Britt Baker, who must be turning heel, Nick because she came in here and was so pissed that she can't beat Riho. She's like, look, thanks for showing up. You're never here. I'm glad you showed up and then you stole the win from me. I'm here beat, busting my ass. I'm running my dentistry, like, uh, I'm running my dental practice and I'm here wrestling every single week. And then you just come in here and steal the win from me. And it's like, dude, just showing up doesn't mean you're going to be the champion. She beat you. Uh, <laughs> she came off like such a heel here. Maybe they've decided that they're going to take her in this direction. But uh, yeah. I think. Go ahead. I was just
1: going to say, if if Chris Statlander is taking the title off of Riho and you want to add something extra to it, have Britt come out and attack her afterwards, there you go. you got another big storyline for the women's division and Statlander can do something with the championship belt, you know, feud with somebody else. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And also, they did ask Riho, Marvez asked Riho something about Chris Statlander, which, um, which Nakazawa translated... And she whispered like one word, and then Nakazawa said something, but I couldn't make it out. Do you did you catch any of that?
1: No, I didn't. I know what you're talking about, but I couldn't make it out either. This
0: was not. This was not good. I don't know what happened here, but I didn't enjoy it. Uh, main event time. Uh, Pac, pack. Pardon me, of course. Pac, the bastard and the Lucha Brothers against uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, the Elite. Uh, I just need to to note this here, everybody. I like BTE, but the first thing I wrote here is, the BTE music is too silly to be entrance music. Like, these badass wrestlers come out here to the BTE theme song, and I, I don't think this makes for good wrestling entrance theme music. It's great for the intro to the show, but I don't know if it's great, like, coming out for battle theme song music. Mm. Um, I'm not a fan of that. I wish they had just come out to Kenny's music or the Bucks music or both even, but a tiny thing because this match ended up being great. Uh, Kenny takes out both of the Lucha Brothers early. Nick, I just wrote here, Nick and Phoenix do cool stuff before the picture and picture break. <laughs> uh, and by the way, during this picture and picture break, they did not slow down. Uh, I wrote here, cool triple team during the break. Phoenix does an awesome Rana during the break. Uh, They come back from the break, and by the way, they don't have time to show any of these cool things with sound uh, or audio because it looks like the crowd is going crazy during it. Uh, But the crowd is still hot when they come back from the break. Pac does a Fosbury flop on the outside, do Kenny Omega. Uh, This must have just been Nick's hot tag. Uh, This has to be where it is. Uh, cause all I wrote here was Nick Jackson fucking rules. Uh, <laughs> like he was just doing his comeback where he's hitting all of these, like the Superman forum and these spinning kicks and these running knees. And it's like, it's just a flurry of them, but they all look so devastating and great. And they're just timed amazing. Uh, I wrote here, crazy Canadian destroyers on everyone. Uh, the ones they did under the Lucha brothers didn't look so great. But, like, the rolling cradle launcher into a Canadian Destroyer they did on Pac was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, that shit should be like a finishing move, like a cool double-team finisher. Uh, I thought that looked amazing. Uh, great exchange from Kenny and Pac. Uh, he gets sent to the outside. Uh, Phoenix comes in. Kenny pushes him off. Uh, and he goes into a rolling double cutter on the Young Bucks. Kenny hits him with a knee and gives him... a. Uh, a snapdragon, but Phoenix rolls back onto his feet and hits Kenny with a cutter. The crowd's going crazy at this point. Pack gets up on the top rope, hits the black arrow, but the Young Bucks break it up. Uh, Pack then locks in the Brutalizer on Kenny, and the Bucks have to come back in to break that up again. Uh, Phoenix then tags himself in and goes for, like, a springboard torneo as he's spinning in the air. He lands right on Kenny Omega's knee, right in his face, and Kenny picks him up, hits the one-winged Angel for the win... And uh, the crowd goes crazy for this victory, and post-match Cody Rhodes comes out, and they're all celebrating. The core members of the Elite all won on this episode, and they're signaling for Adam Page to come in, uh, but he turns them down. So what did you think of the the main event, Nick?
1: An amazing main event. Just Mm these guys are the best in the world. All six of them, truly, like, just great, great stuff. Um, I did note that um, Omega did kind of an ultimate warrior rope shake when they came back from the break. Um, There was an exchange where uh, Pac was just so desperate to stop Kenny from getting a tag that it just, like, stuck out to me. I'm like, man, I believe that this is real right here. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. I I also noted in here because they were um, advertising after the show that they were showing Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, Hangman mentioned never seeing the movie. I'm like, Damn, Hangman, Hangman Pages. what the hell?
0: Yeah, like because uh, yes, Excalibur says he's like, oh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Hangman Page is just like never seen it. <laughs> and they're like, what? He's like, no, never seen it. Uh, I thought that was if awesome. he is turning a heel. If he is turning heel, that's such a heel move. That was the second time he really made me laugh in that match, too. Uh, There's another moment where, like, Ray Phoenix and Nick Jackson are going at it, and Jim Ross is like, I don't think there's any two wrestlers in the world I'd rather watch go at it than Ray Phoenix and Nick Jackson. And then there's, like, a slight pause, and then Hangman just goes, thanks, Jim. Like, (laughs) didn't say the Hangman had a page. Uh, I thought that was awesome.
1: Oh, yeah, man. just good stuff all around for this mm-hmm. main event. Four stars easily.
0: Yep, uh, I thought this was great. Uh, this is, I think, the best that Kenny and the Bucks have looked in quite a while. They all seemed very refreshed. Pack is awesome as always. Um, Lucha Brothers, weirdly enough for me, like they seem like the more I see them on TV, like they don't seem as crisp as I remember them always being. Uh, Although Ray Phoenix continues to be uh, amazing. But they were also pretty darn good in this match. And I agree with you. I gave this a 4 as well. Uh, This was definitely match of the show for sure. Uh, And Grapple gave it 3.9. So they agree entirely. And I agree with them as well. Uh, So yeah, a great show. A great comeback from... The December eighteenth show, which I think we both thought was like an, a, a good episode, but had its had its problems, and uh, this show felt like anything but. This was a a great return to form uh, and a really solid episode, and uh, they were just they didn't even have any competition. I mean, they did, but NXT was doing a clip show and giving out awards, so uh, which is weird. Because they did a Christmas episode where AEW didn't run an episode, and they actually had matches that they taped for that episode, so that's weird. I'm 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 not sure why they didn't do the matches on this episode, but they didn't. That was last week. So there's like a weird uh, confluence of like the NXT AEW wars. They kind of AEW sort of went unopposed this week, uh, but NXT did run a show. It'll be interesting to see uh, how the numbers. Uh, turnout and stuff. I don't think they're out yet because of New Year's. I could be was wrong, but I don't think they are. What was that?
1: Was the show pre-recorded, or was it something they did live?
0: Yeah, the NXT show was uh, pre-recorded. It was all like, they handed out awards in full sale, but full sale was empty. Uh, oh. And uh, the rest of it was like, they showed takeover matches, which is good because they showed great matches, Um, but maybe they were matches people have already seen, so they weren't tuning in. Uh, and the Christmas stuff they filmed, uh, they filmed some of it at full sale and they filmed some of it after the last SmackDown before Christmas. Uh, and it was an amalgamation of that. Um, a show that you can hear a review for in a few days when we record the next, what comes next podcast. Uh, Maybe it
1: was WWE's subtle way of saying, "Well, we give our wrestlers two weeks off for holidays," you know. Oh, shove it!
0: They <laughs> get two weeks off in a row. Look at that. Ooh, compared to one week for AEW, we know who won the war, Nick. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, this was a
0: this was a really good episode, and uh, yeah, I, I watched the the Christmas NXT. I guess when it comes time on the on the next NXT podcast. I will probably choose between what show is better this episode of AEW or the Christmas episode of NXT since the, uh, the January 1st episode will have no matches really to, uh, speak of. I mean, I'm not going to go back and be like, you know, we talked about the takeover matches when they happened. So, uh, no need to re go over those again. Uh, but yeah, a solid episode, a good start to the new year, I'd say, uh, also, we should note that the Revolution pay-per-view for the Wind Trust Arena is sold out. So that's a good sign as well. It's not um it's not as huge an arena as I don't think it's quite as big as like Sears Center is. Uh but it's also not tiny either. So I think that's a good sign that they're able to to sell out their pay-per-view. They haven't had a sellout since uh whatever it was their third week of TV or their fourth week of TV or something like that. So, uh, nice to see them, uh, get the sellout. And I think they got like a near sellout maybe for full gear or something like that, but they didn't get like a full sellout. So good to hear, uh, that they're doing, uh, well in the ticket sale department. Good for the health of the business, I say. Uh, so that's a wrap for this week's episode. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com, where you can check out the archives of the show. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for The Elitists. Hit subscribe. That way you can hear us come back next time and talk about more AEW Dynamite on TNT, featuring Riho defending her AEW Women's Championship against Chris Statlander. For real this time. Killing the business.